from Beta Cell. Oh, no, we should redo that. Okay. From the award-winning Beta Cell. This is Out of Range. After Dark. <laughs> I'm Craig. I'm James. I'm Laura. What I think is interesting, we're just going right into it okay, this week. let's try it. It's interesting how kind of our care changes over time, like our management, what we do to manage our blood sugars, whether that's, you know, old school insulin, new insulin, inhalable insulin, pumps, loops. Syringes, pens. Exactly. And it's, I feel like these things are always, whenever something new comes out, it's like the future. It's like, this is better than what was there before. And I don't know if that's always the case, but I know that in some situations, the amount of work or like, like it's not always just like, oh, you put in the new insulin and everything's fine. It like takes time to relearn things. And you're like changing how you deal with diabetes. It's not just like swap, you upgrade you a car. Just swap it. Yeah. It's not just like you get a, go from an iPhone 10 to an iPhone 11 and it's, oh, it's perfect. It's so much better. It's, it'd be like if you went from, I don't know, it's like totally, it'd be like an iPhone 10 in Russian and an iPhone 11 in French. It's like you have to relearn everything. So I thought it'd be interesting because all of us kind of do different things and we've done different things mm-hmm. to sort of go through like our little start by going through our mini histories of what we've done to manage our diabetes. I was going to have Laura go first. Oh, from the beginning. Because you've had it the longest. Oh. Do you remember when I you were diagnosed? because I was the best looking. Yeah. It's a podcast. They can't tell. Mm, sorry. You have to take your word for it. Um, I think I started off on syringes. Do you know what year-ish this was? 96? The 90s. The 90s. 95, 96. But I was put on a pump super, super early. I was put on a pump when I was in first grade. Okay. How many? I don't know how old you are in first grade. I'm. I, you think I would know because of my job, but I don't know either. It's a couple of Six? years. Okay. And you weren't shots before. Presumably yeah. you weren't giving shots as a kid. No, my mom was doing them for me. Um, do you remember what kind of insulin you were on? Yeah. Um, I was going to say NPR. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like NPH and R. Okay. And that was, you had the clear one and the cloudy one, and then you'd have to shake up and you'd have to do it in your hand and you'd roll it. And yeah. So you'd mix it all up. I definitely remember that. So I'd get the one shot in the morning and then at a certain time, at certain times each day I had to eat. 15 grams of carbs. That's what I was like. Yeah. That was 2001. I was on the Eli Lilly version. Yeah. uh, Lente. Oh, I've never heard of that. What was my, what company was NPR? Oh my God. (laughs) NPH. Is that, um, is that Novo Nordisk? I think. think James has no idea. So it would last, so it would last 12 hours, Mm. I think. And it would be like this long peak. So I remember like midday, you have to eat lunch, right? And right. then like three hours after you take it, you have to have a snack. Six hours after you take it, you have to have a lunch. Nine hours after you take it, you have to have another snack. And then you take another shot I right. think, to get through the night. So my mom would send me to Plus. school with my lunchbox and each 
thing would have a post-it of how many carbs were on it. And so like my teachers knew what I had to eat. I think, yeah, that's similar to me. But I think it's interesting because it sounds so awful. Like it is like, oh, you have to eat at this time or you will go low or you will die. Right. It's so regimented. And it has to be the same amount. But when I was, even me in middle school, when I had a little more freedom, I think it was great. It was like a great nice intro to diabetes. Yeah. When you're in a class mm-hmm. or you have a class schedule where you know exactly when lunch is going to be because I didn't have to take shots at school. Like, I don't yeah. think I was, I might, I think I tested, but I wasn't correcting. I don't think I would just eat my lunch right? and think about that as like a first grader. Well, before first grader, you know, you're in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And you what your teacher has to give you a shot, or your mom has to right, come to school. Right, my mom and give would have shot? to come to school. She would te- yeah. she'd come and test my blood sugar too. Surprised that she wouldn't have this the teachers. So my have. school, well, I was a really tiny private school, and we didn't have a school nurse. So it was the front desk. It was like if anyone was going to do it, it was like our office lady. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom, essentially, yeah, the yeah, receptionist. Yeah. yeah, so my mom would just come to school every day and do it because she, she trusted like, herself more. Yeah. And it's an, it's interesting because it's like I see kids now who are on Dexcom or on Omnipod, and it's like parents are checking all the time. They're micromanaging. They might have great control, but it's like what happens when that pod fails in the middle of the day? Mm-hmm. Does the parent have to leave work, come to school, put a new pod on? Or does the nurse know how to put a pod on? It just seems like all these things that when you're a little kid – are going to break and you can't just do it yourself. Mm. Like it's uh, as much as it's already a pain to be an adult and like carry extra pump supplies. And I always hear about people, Oh, something happens. I didn't have an extra infusion set or this happened. I have a feeling parents, I have a feeling the nurses at schools have got to be trained to do that for the kids. Right. I think it's probably like a case by case basis. If the nurse is like comfortable doing that. There was one family I know who the nurse would actually be on the Dexcom follow of the kid. Wow. So the nurse, if they went you know, low, the nurse would know. But I can't imagine that every nurse would do that or be responsible to do that. Right. Well, it's the same. You know how like when our parents were younger, their parents would be like, see you when the sun goes down. And like, you know what I mean? You just trust yeah. your kids. But now with cell phones, they can track where their kids are at all times. And it's kind of the same thing with like being diagnosed before that cell phone age. Mm. And then kids that are diagnosed now or your parents are seeing your blood sugars every five minutes. And we had the freedom. Like my mom had no, I, and I, I, I'm sure that I did, but I mean, like I could lie. There was no proof. You know what I mean? I lied. I, I, we all lied. We all lied, but you, I could write whatever I wanted in my logbook. Like, I mean, and then she could go through my meter, and of course she did when she, I'm sure she found out yeah. I was doing this. But it wasn't, she didn't know what was happening all day. It's kind of just like, she has the insulin, she knows what she's doing, and I'll see her when she gets home and hope for the best, you know. How old were you when you started lying? I'm sure I was like in middle school, but it's because I was really, I think I've told this on here, I was really scared of my endo. She was so good, but like, I just knew, she was very stern. Yeah. And I, my, I would either lie about the numbers in my logbook or every time when you get to children's hospital, I'd be like, mom, I can't find my logbook, but it's because I like hid it under the car seat. So then we'd go with my doctor. I had nothing to go off. She's like, what is the point of this appointment? I have no idea what your numbers are. And I'd be like, sorry, mom. 
And then like I'd, have to, I'd get in trouble, but it was better than the doctor getting mad at me for bad numbers. I do feel like when I was a kid, the doctors cared much more about like the logbook. Well, because they didn't and, have a dex, they didn't have a clarity now, report. I feel like my doctor doesn't go through like everything. I mean, she's seeing just the general thing. Right. I guess when I first started, right, she they, would that's look, all they had. She would print off a thing and just circle when I'm high and circle, you know, yeah. highlight when I'm low and just be like, okay, it looks like you're going low here. You mean she'd circle when you were out of range? Yeah, out of range. Take a shot, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I lied to the school nurse because I'd have to tell them what my blood sugar was before mm-hmm. lunch. And if I was high or low, they would make me stick around right, until so I was back. Why would you tell them exactly? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm 220. And they're like, well, take some insulin and sit here until you're back in range. I'm like, I'm not going to miss lunch. <laughs> Or if I'm low, I'm about to go eat. I'm not going to have some juice, right. you know, or, or glucose tabs and then go eat lunch. It was just kind of an inconvenience. But it, it's funny because I feel like high schoolers are pretty, maybe not responsible, but it like they, they can manage their, yeah. And it's like, I couldn't carry insulin with me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't carry. Yeah. I had to go to the nurse's me. office every day at lunch too, to Which test. now seems bonkers. There's like yeah. kids with. There are omnipods in class and their parent texts them and says, give yourself 0.1 unit yeah. right now. And they're just doing this on the fly. Like times have changed. Yeah. So the point of this podcast is that you're old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks James. <laughs> well, when you, so when you got on a pump. Me? Well, yeah, but I guess for James, since he doesn't, uh, so he doesn't fall asleep. James is still here, guys. You um, you started on shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lantus? Uh, yeah. Humalog? Lantus. Some sort of short acting? I did Humalog and Lantus and then Novalog and Lavamir. Just when your insurance decided it preferred one? No, that was like right when those came out. Okay. And then the endocrinologist thought they were like... Better? Better or quicker or whatever. Or were they? I have no idea. <laughs> Probably slightly. And then when did you first uh, try a pump? Um, I got on the pump pretty quick, like uh, a year after, the following year after I was diagnosed, I was on the pump. And do you? F- and then how long were you on it, you think, until you first took your first break? Um, like 10 years. I spent like <clears throat> eight or nine years of that thinking like, oh, my next endocrinologist appointment, I'll be like, I want to take a break from the pump. But then I'd go to the endocrinologist, my blood sugar would be all fucked up. And like, they'd be like, oh, you have to like do this and that and the other to stay in range. And so I didn't feel like, oh, uh, by the way, like uh, I just want to stop using the pump too, you know what I mean? So I just kind of put it off for a long time. Did, Did it feel like it'd be going backwards? Like your endocrinologist would say like, you have this amazing technology. Like, why would you go back to... Yeah, Stone Age. I think I always had that perception, yeah. Because the pump is like, oh, this is the next level of... There's some doctors that won't care for patients without pumps. Really? hmm You had such doctors? No. Heard about Just it? Just heard about them. How long were you on a pump? I was on a pump from around age... I, that's, I was seven in first grade, I think, because I was on a pump from age seven to 14. Okay. I got off my first year in high school. How come? And I went to syringes because... I was really used to being at this private school where everyone knew I was the diabetic kid and I was used to it. And then I went to a public high school and then it was like, what's that? What's that? People were like grabbing my pump off of me. 
I'm like, hey, that's attached to me. <laughs> it, it brought a lot of attention that I did not want. And I was just like, whoa, I was not expecting it. And I was like, fuck this. So I got off and I went to syringes. How come? Why How syringes? come syringes? Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm just like really extreme. And I'm like, if I'm not going to be on a pump, I'm going to be like <laughs> super simple about it. I did that at first too, actually, when I came off the pump. Yeah, it was nice. I didn't mind it. I've done it again. And then I did it again. And then I w went back on the pump for like three years. And then I got off and used syringes and I, and then I switched to pens and that's what I'm doing now. And that's my journey of insulin therapy. When we met, you were on the pump. You were on your second time using the pump, I think. Yeah, just, I had the Medtronic. And then you got off of it and then you got rid of all of your supplies. Yeah. And you I gave my back. pump to James so he could loop. Yeah. Pay it forward. And then James, you looped, stopped looping. Mm-hmm. Back looping, stop looping, back looping. Pretty much. I guess it was just, what are you doing now, today? Where are you now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, today I'm on pens. I have Draceba long acting and uh, Fiasp. And are you still looping at night? Nope. James, guys, James is the only type 1 diabetic I know who like every time Craig and I see him, he's using something else. He was half looping, half non-looping for a while <laughs> night looper night looper Ooh, yeah that'd be a good band name pens by night loop you need by. to change your instagram handle night looper I know, right it's like a superhero i mean the other thing is that pumps are ridiculously expensive yeah which is funny because doctors like yeah i feel like prefer them yes but i, but I, I think that it's because doctors most endocrinologists don't have type one and they see this thing or they've read something or a Medtronic rep has come and talked to them and said, this is the most advanced thing. You can give a 20th of a unit bolus. You can do right. temporary basal rates. You can have 40 different programs. You can square dual. It can do three people at the same time with one <laughs> pump. You know, well, and I think people, the there's just this notion that pump insulin pumps equal tighter control. And the technology is better, right. always better. Right, which I don't agree with. I think I used to think that. I don't know if I think that now. I think that it works for a very specific lifestyle. Like if you have a, I feel like if you have a very like regimented life, you can program that into a pump and it will follow that very well. See, I feel like the sales reps would say the opposite. Like- well, what would you Active say? Lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, you pump could flexible. be flexible. <laughs> as, as, well, I think I think that one of the reasons it's not flexible is because it's it will fail. Like you, you, it's going to fail at some point. It's not foolproof. It's either the pump's going to fail. Um, your like site you've talked about on this on this podcast when you were in New York and your pump just died. Um, well, there's like the complete pump failure, but what? Is Usually it's the infusion site. Yeah. Right. Or the cannula. God, or, I hated being on a pump. Or you're out and then the reservoir runs out of insulin or the battery dies. Yeah, or so your tube gets caught on a doorknob and rips mm -hmm. your site yeah. out of you. And so then you have to carry like a week's worth of supplies okay. just to go to work because you know something's going to fail. Like And pens as a backup yeah. also. Because <laughs> I, when I was an Omnipod and I had a, a lot of success with Omnipod uh, not failing, but the few times it did made me so paranoid that anywhere I went, I would bring a backup mm -hmm. pod 
and then a backup backup pod because I, I think I went through a whole box of pods where every single one failed. And so I always had to bring oh, yeah. an extra because I knew I would fill it and it would just die. And then I had to have another one there. And that's not even, that's like going to work. That's not even like going out of the yeah. country or going somewhere, you know, for a few days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I got off again this time around too, because it was just giving me so many issues. I was getting so many kinked infusion sites. I probably have so much insulin, like scar tissue built up underneath my skin. And it was just, but also my control is better on pens because a pump was giving me like too much freedom to make. Wait, me wait, the Medtronic rep is knocking at the door. He <laughs> says this is, cannot be possible. <laughs> I just, when I was on that pump, it was too easy for me to just eat all day and just be like, well, I have to do is press a button. And I wasn't thinking about what I was doing. And it wasn't until like as an adult, I started going back on pens that I had to like think about what I was doing and space my meals out and be much more conscious, conscious. about your diabetes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I will say I, on the, on the flip side of pods failing, I have talked to people who use syringes just because they feel like even pens are a mechanical device mm -hmm. that can fail. Hey, I agree with that pieces. sometimes too. My pens leak every single time. Yeah. And then how do you much? And my pens do don't have half them? units, but I was able to get syringes with half units. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. So James Loop, I guess for people who don't understand Loop, can you elevate or pitch me Loop? Yeah, Loop is uh, a system built by the diabetes community that allows a CGM to communicate with a pump so that when your blood sugar goes up, the pump will deliver insulin. And when your blood sugar goes down, your pump will reduce the delivery of insulin so that without you doing anything, your uh, pump and CGM are controlling your blood sugar. They also call us what a partial closed loop, right? Cause it's not the partial closed loop or is it closed? Loop? I think they refer to it as closed loop. Yeah. Closed loop. So it can't, and it's a single hormone, which means it's just giving insulin. Future ones might Give also be able to, you'd wear two pumps, I guess, or a pump with two reservoirs and have two tubes which now that I describe it just sounds like twice as many things Terrible. that will fail. But that would, in theory, if you start to go low, shoot you with some glucagon, shoot you back up. Yeah, I mean, the limitation of the loop, obviously, is that um, it's just based on what your current blood sugar is. So if you're about to eat, uh, there's no way for it to catch up with that. Or if you're about to exercise, it can't like catch up at that speed without you providing a human input. So that's why you might describe it as a partial closed loop rather mm. than a fully closed loop. So and that's why, like, uh, sorry, like uh, glucagon, if you had a, a loop with glucagon and insulin, then it could potentially catch up with those things much quicker. But that's also limited by, one, CGMs having a delay and being accurate and not, you know, having some yeah, sort of like communication. Fails, yeah. And then two, you, the human, putting in those inputs. If you miscalculate your carbs in your meal, you die. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it will, you know, it'll, let's say you, you do it by half, like <coughs> you'll still go up. It will pump you full of extra insulin and bring you down, but you're still going to go up. Right. And yeah. if you go for a run and you forget to tell it, oh, I'm going to go for a run, you will go low. But it's like training wheels. So, like, if I had a pump without a loop and I gave an incorrect bolus for a meal, 
that would have a more of an effect than if I did that with a loop. Because with the loop, if I gave myself like not enough insulin, the loop will see that my blood sugar is going up and see what rate it's going up. And get more. And correct while I'm not doing anything in the background. And I guess you'd have to be sort of comfortable knowing that you might have these long kind of curves because of the time it takes insulin to start working, right? If it sees yeah. you going up, you know, 10 units a minute, uh, it dumps you full of insulin. It's still going to take 30 minutes before the insulin's doing anything. And then. Yeah. And you still have to pre bolus. You still have to count carbs. Um, all that good stuff. Yeah. I am so shocked that you have never tried loop Craig. I think like, <laughs> I'd never wanted tubes. Tubes. Just, tubes. Mm. So like the old Medtronic. And then I was off Omnipod by but the now, time. I know, but now Omnipod does it. Yes. No um, interest? No interest. I have a little bit of interest, but I don't think enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I, I, I still don't. And I think I've really soured on pumps. I think it was great for me at the point in my life that I was on it, which was like coming out of college, mm -hmm. more freedom, more flexibility, doing different things. It was discreet. Um, I definitely got better control, though I think that control was because I was just managing the diabetes better in the sense that like, I would actually pre-bolus before I ate something as opposed to like eating and then giving a shot afterwards because I wasn't sure how much I was going to eat. Like right. you're in college, you know, you're, you go to the cafeteria, you know, you load up a plate of food and you're like, oh, I'm still hungry. I'm going to get more. Like you're not going to give yourself two shots. So I would just wait till I was done eating and then give food to cover all of that. But obviously if I eat two plates full of pasta, that, that's going to be much quicker than the insulin. So I think that what it did is it, I don't know, made me okay bolusing more because it just wasn't an extra shot. Right. And it that's, wasn't, yeah, that's what I was doing. And it wasn't drawing attention to myself, right? I wasn't like in the middle of a busy cafeteria shooting myself up. I mean, that just happened to you. Oh Where my you? God. I was in Santa Barbara wine tasting. At as this, one like, does. As w that's what one does in Santa Barbara. And I'm sitting there like at my little table with my friends minding my own business. And I get, and this <laughs> actually, this is the only time I think this has ever happened to me that I know of anyway. And I sat there and I got out my pen and I was injecting in my arm and the bartender from behind the bar goes, hey, are you shooting up? And I was like, what? And I look up and she was like laughing. Like, she, I think she was semi kidding, but she yelled it to where ta every table looked over to what I was oh, wow. doing. And my friend, two of the people I was sitting with heard and they were like, did that seriously just happen? And I was like, did that seriously just happen? And then another friend I was with, he didn't even hear. And he's like, oh my God, if I would have heard her say that, like I would have said something back. I was more in complete and utter shock that like in all my life it took till I was almost 30 for someone to call me out like publicly. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, I don't, I don't care, but <laughs> people might, <laughs> I was going to say something. Oh, like it sounds like I, I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of comments about how 
do you think we're, we're not anti-pumpers? We're not, we're not putting down the pump. Like what, if I ever have kids and I'm like during my pregnancy, I'm for sure getting on a pump yeah. and I'm pro like, is that like, are they pushing loop for pregnancy is probably, Mm. I don't know, maybe not, but like, I'm for sure. Like, of course yeah. I'm going to be on a pump and have that tighter control when I need it. Like I, th I like what you were saying, how you said you were on a pump for the time in your life. You think you needed it the most. And I think, you know, who just did a really amazing post was Marie and just about how, you know, we are going to have this for the rest of our lives. And the only thing we can do is accept and adapt. So we're going to go through different, like, you know, different cycles and phases and seasons of life. Yeah. And we are pretty lucky that we have all these options now. So it's it's funny to me that you, you said you would go on a pump for tighter control. But for, you say right now you're on better control than you were before. Yeah, but I think to have it do more th of my thinking. Okay. Cuz I have to do more thinking with the, which I like because that's what makes me more, you know, aware of what I'm doing, yeah. but if there's another human inside of me that's involved in this, I want to give that control to the pump. I guess. Somewhat. I think those are my thoughts right now. Yeah. Because you have to stay in such a tighter window. I'm trying to think of people I know with type one who have had kids and the ones that come to mind right now, we're all on a pump. Yeah. One actually I think a lot of endos was push able it to get a pump because she was pregnant. Because she was pregnant. Yeah. I think it's very highly uh, yeah. suggested. So yeah, like I'm not like against, I mean, we, I got a lot of time left <laughs> to switch it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, James, what do you think, what diabetes therapy, is that what we call insulin it? Insulin therapy. That's what um, they call it, right? Insulin therapy. Do you think you've had the best control? Could be. None. <laughs> uh, just like strictly blood sugar control yeah. would be like a keto diet with a loop. So n no carbs and robots. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you mean strictly blood sugar? How else would you? Well, like mental. Yeah. No, I'm just curious, like how you, how you define control. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, ways. I don't know if anyone knows, but I feel like being on the keto diet long term didn't really seem like that great of an idea. Plus, it can be difficult in uh, social situations. Like when you every single time I go out for a meal with somebody, <laughs> I have a salad, <laughs> you know? Yeah, or a block of cheese. Or, yeah, you if, went you're, a cheese if somebody's hosting you, it's kind of awkward to be like, oh, yeah, I'm on this diet, keto, or yeah, I can't eat Can that. I have some water? Yeah. yeah. And a block of cheese. <laughs> and, a block of che and a wheel of I cheese. I do remember once. <laughs> it was like right after we met James. Well, and uh, also, guys, James is vegetarian, so keto oh, yeah. plus he, he can't. He it's doesn't need meat. It's, it's all, all cheese. You, you look at like the Venn diagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one thing in the middle. Cheese. Vegetarian, diabetic, yeah. keto. keto. Yeah, cheese. Uh, we had gone to like a barbecue on the beach. It was like a bonfire thing. You remember that? It was a diabetic <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Uh -huh. And we, there were guys with hot dogs. We had s'mores, and you just like whip out of your pockets, <laughs> <laughs> literally you know, a block of cheese <laughs> <laughs> that you would cut up, you know, for like and to ration. Just, he rationed like, it out for the whole body. No, he, no it, like a normal person would cut up to like oh. have cheese and crackers, you know, over the oh. course of like several weeks. Oh, and you James ate it all just, at once. He just ate it like a, like a bar, like a cliff bar. That's <laughs> 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 still one of my greatest James moments. Um, That's funny. It's a lot of calories and it doesn't do anything with your blood sugar. Can't beat that. Well, it's, it's interesting <laughs> because I get a lot of questions about a Frezza and I think that's because 
Oh, you guys haven't most, even talked about it for us no, yet. I feel like most insurance or a lot of insurance or even endos don't prescribe it or won't approve it because it's too new or they just, you know, the way insurance formularies are created. You know they just how don't insurance do it. works. Yeah. No mm-hmm. one knows how insurance works. We, <laughs> we know how it doesn't work. We know. That's, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> um, so I think, I think I only went off the pump because I started using a Frezza. I don't think if a Frezza was an option, I would have gone off the pump and gone the shots. And to me, and this is, they're not sponsoring us. You're mm-hmm. welcome to sponsor us, mankind. They, I mean, in, in my mind, like, I think of all these like little incremental steps with insulin. Like we went from like the Lente and the MPH we talked about to Lantus, which mm-hmm. was lasted 24 hours, no peaking. So you could just take a shot in the morning. You didn't want to eat all day. You didn't have to eat all day. Um, short acting insulins like Humalog, Novolog, even Fiasp are pretty much interchangeable. But like, I feel like a Frezza was like the first time it was like totally different. And it's like, even with pumps, it's like, it's still using like this old insulin. So you're still kind of like and you're still a robot poking. controlling. Yeah. You're still poking yourself. I mean, that's not poking is nice. But I think for me, it was like, oh, now I can, if I start to go high or if I want a big meal. Do you I want to explain just, what a Frezza is if anyone is listening yeah. that doesn't know? So it's uh, inhalable insulin. It, uh comes in a, there's a little inhaler that looks like a kazoo. And then you put looks in- Looks like a vape. Like a really, pod. like a steampunk vape pen. Mm. And it the insulin comes in these little powder cartridges that are pre-measured out. And this is the thing that always freaks people out because it says four, eight, and 12 units, which when you actually take it, it's more like two and a half, five, seven and a half. So that already like confused people. Like I would never take four units of insulin. I'm like, oh no, it's it's actually like two and a half. And like, well, I would never, you know, I would take one unit of insulin to correct. And you take it, you inhale it, just a, <laughs> and within what, 10, 15 minutes, it's working. Like it works within faster two than any dots. other insulin yeah. out there. And then in 90 minutes, it's out of your system. Which is also different than any other insulin out so there. So I can wake up in the morning, I can eat a bagel, take insulin for it. And then in 90 minutes I'm running and I don't have to worry about insulin board. But I, so it's super cool and interesting and stop me at any point, James, if you have your own opinions on a Frezza. Um, so I've been a, on it for about a year now, like exclusively a Frezza and long acting insulin one shot a day. And I feel like it took me six months to really understand it. And I think, and even thinking back when I was on a pump, like it wasn't like I put the pump on and all of a sudden like perfect insulin or perfect blood sugars. It was more like, like it took me years to really figure out how to use temp basils right. Or like my first extended bolus was like five years after I was on the pump. And I was like, well, what is this thing? How can I use it? And I was like, oh, interesting. Um, so my control at the end of using my Omnipod the last year was so much better than the first nine years because I finally like got it. And it was, I think all of these little therapies 
kind of require a rewiring of your brain. Would you use a Frezza without a CGM? I was just thinking mm. as you're talking about it, I'm like, fuck, I want to be on a Frezza so badly, but my G5 is so is so bad that like I don't like I wouldn't feel comfortable seeing how fast I'm dropping or seeing how fast it hits me and corrects me until I finally get approved for the G6. So that's the thing. Since the Afreza hits you really quick, you get these like down arrows, right? You can. If you're like, even just in the morning, if I'm correcting like a dawn phenomenon, I'll take some insulin and I'll go from 180 and I'll have like a 140 with a down arrow, but then it'll kind of just level off. And I almost feel like without a CGM, you'd have less stress. Oh. Because you see these drops really fast. Oh, and then you know me. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what you would set. do. Or, you know, you usually take it like 10 minutes after you start eating. I think I might want to do this. And, and I feel like I'd panic even more if I did like a finger stick and I was like 200 and then 10 minutes later do another finger stick and I'm like 100. I think you just have to not do those finger sticks. Yeah, you just. You just have faith. Blind faith. Ignorance is bliss. Literally blind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even sometimes I'll eat and I'll eat lunch and then I'll take the Afreza, but in that time between the 10 minutes between I start eating and start taking the Afreza and the next 10 minutes before the Afreza kicks in, I'll start going straight up and I'll think to myself, should I take some more just right now so uh, I don't go yeah. high? And then I do and I go low. So I feel like the CGMs is also a thing we haven't even touched on. Right. We talk we a lot about it on this that. show, about just the, the way it screws up our minds. Um, but this idea for this episode actually came from a listener who wanted to know more about how I use a Frezza so they could use it. And really the only good tips I have is uh, bolus 10 minutes after you eat. Bolus is in inhale. In inhale. We, we're 10 so minutes old after school. you start eating. I know, but I still feel like that's the word people use. And that's like the only tip I have. That's the one thing that's been so good, good luck, listener. <laughs> the inhalation God's method being... does it makes a big difference. The what? The way you inhale it. Yeah. Because for a while I was just carrying around the cartridges and pop it open. <laughs> or like uh Which we if, laughed at you about, but you swore it worked fine. <laughs> I mean it works, but like uh the most effective way is the correct advertisement <laughs> is the way they tell you to do it which is what james <laughs> you put the cartridge in the inhaler you hold it at like a like a what a, it's like a five degree negative five degree angle or something like that and you go so even hold it for a second slower than really that. oh do it james yeah. do it how you do Mark it gave me this like is our little asmr episode device. james do it how you would do it <laughs> come on come on okay I'm just Everyone practicing. Practice. And now hold it for a second, right? Like like <laughs> I count to like two or three. Just kind of hold it in my lungs and. Can us doing that please be the intro <laughs> or be the promo? Yeah. I also feel like drinking water right before I've heard helps. So your mouth isn't like super dry. You can inhale. Better. Also, you I cannot think. use a Frezza if you're a smoker. Right? Or it works less, less effective. Don't they say that? You, you do need to take a uh, pulmonary lung test. lung test, which just proves that like your lung strength 
Yeah. Because I guess if your lung strength is weak, you wouldn't actually get the insulin or they don't want to be responsible if you don't get insulin. Smart. Um, I didn't have to take that. I didn't do that either. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) but put that tip out the window. (laughs) Uh, it depends, I guess. Um, on your doctor. My other tip for a Fresa is that a lot of insurance will deny it, particularly because it's not well known. But all you do is just go through the steps of paperwork, fighting the insurance, and then eventually you'll get it approved. Easy peasy. And don't they have amazing coupon or yeah, deals? They have that yeah, $15 uh, per prescription for the first year. Online, on their website, right? It's a savings card. I don't know if it's on the website. Probably is, but like we should my link it. Doctor's office yeah. just texted me like <clears> this <throat> image of the card, and then whether or James not your insurance will text everyone it. a photo of the card. <laughs> James, what's your phone send number? Send us your yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll link James's phone number to yeah. it. But yeah, I think the other thing that I think got me is that you know, it's one of the selling points to me was that it's out of your system in ninety minutes. Uh, because I'm active and I also eat all day. So not stacking insulin was also a great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty much every 90 minutes I'm eating something. Mostly bagels. Yeah. (laughs) Every 90 minutes I eat a bagel, (laughs) the bagel diet. (laughs) Um, but a lot of foods, unless it's straight carbs, has fat and protein in it. And that takes longer than you know, an hour or two to hit your system. So what does that mean? So it means that, let's pick a food, burrito. Mm. Um, Breakfast or lunch burrito? Breakfast burrito. Okay. Eat the burrito. I'm like, okay, there's some potato. There's a tortilla. We're thinking like, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 grams of carbs, depending on how big this burrito is. Take my... Or you do like one eight. You know? <laughs> I'm waiting for you to do it, James. Waiting for you to yeah. inhale. <laughs> um, inhale, and then I wait, and I'm usually fine, right? Blood sugar's flat, but then two hours or so, it just starts creeping up once oh. all that fat hits me. So what do you do? Well, I just take more. So it's kind Makes of sense. <laughs> it does. But at the time, it was so. Before I started doing that, it was so frustrating because yeah. I was like, I na- I thought I had it. I thought I had the right amount of insulin, but if I had taken more. I would have just gone low and I would have just sat in like 40. So you did do it, right? Yeah. But I guess what's cool about it is that because it works so quickly in 10 minutes, if I do start to go up, I'm not going to spend all day high if I get it wrong. I can just take another dose and that's kind of like, it's kind of like my own extended bolus, but I just take two boluses, one before and one Mm -hmm. later when the fat hits me. Um, but it's, I think over time I've started thinking about managing blood sugars in a different way because of it. Whereas when you're on shots or a pump, you're doing things beforehand. You're, it's all about being proactive. Yeah. You pre-bolus, you're, you know, thinking ahead, oh, I'm going to go for a run. I have to do a temp basal or I'm going to do this or that. And then I feel like when, if it doesn't turn out well, which 95% of the time you're not going to nail it, you feel like you did something wrong. 
like, oh, I should have pre bullet sooner. I should have done more temp ex- of my extended bullets up front. I should have had to go on for longer. I should have temp bulleted less. I should mm-hmm. have eaten something. But since doing this and kind of not doing things ahead of time, I'm always doing it after. I have this sort of like reactive approach where in theory, like everyone says you want to be proactive in life, right? Get your flu shot before you get the flu, right? Go to your doctor before you get sick, that kind of thing. But it's kind of allowed me to not blame myself so much when things don't go right because I can, I just fix it. Whereas I would do the same thing Mm. on a pump. I would just take another bolus. But by then I'm like already high and I'm frustrated that I screwed it up before because I had the technology. The Medtronic rep is there like, how do you screw this up, Craig? You have this advanced computer. Um, It can do all these things. And like, you just aren't smart enough to handle it. it. (laughs) Right. And maybe the loop kind of, fixes some of that because it's it's picking up some of that slack. Like maybe you're doing 50% of the work and it's doing 50%. But I don't know if you guys feel this way when you're on shots. Like when you screw it up, like you still feel bad, even though we talk so much on the show how you shouldn't yeah. feel bad because there's so many things that aren't, aren't your fault. But at the end of the day, like we can tell us, to ourselves and we can believe it and we can tell other we're people. the ones sticking the needle in yeah. and we still feel that on some level. Yeah. I don't know if that's just years of stoicism. <laughs> <laughs> no, well like the opposite, like, cause the yeah. stoicism where we wouldn't neuroticism. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because we've had type one in from these like prehistoric before. days. <laughs> yeah. As James said, we're so old that we're used to us being the, people at the wheel and then when the car goes off the road it's our fault yeah not the pothole that's a good analogy write that down yeah i just play it back <laughs> this episode will be called the pothole <laughs> well the other thing is when you have uh, syringes or a pen or a pump you can like take an exact number of units so it, like gives you it's almost like you can give yourself such a small number of units that you should be able to in theory calculate exactly how much insulin you require for like the meal or whatever. And then uh, with a Frezza, you just have like three options. It's like a blanket, like a small bolus. Actually with small, medium, large, theoretically you have three options, but all the prescriptions I've ever had have only had two, the four and the eight unit ones. Yeah. So you're basically, it's like Lego bricks. It's like the green and the blue ones. Yeah. So like, do I need two greens, one blue or like one blue, one blue, one green instead yeah. of like, I need 5.6 units for my, Kind of simplifies you do that. it though. Yeah. But you do that on the pump. Like when you put in, in the bolus wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm eating 60 grams of, or 62 grams of carbs because that's what the menu says. And then it's like, we're going to give you 4.358921 yeah. units. And then when it's wrong, well, okay. The pump told me exactly the amount that I should have <laughs> based on my ratio. So I must've just like got the carb count wrong. Yeah. Like I just screwed up and didn't know like how many carbs in that meal. But I mean, with a Fresa though, like (laughs) I thought you were going to have a positive. (laughs) Thought I was going to end on a positive note. (laughs) I feel like you still kind of get that with a Fresa though, like where. uh, No, but it does take kind of the pressure off because you're like. No, because then you go like I'll go like crazy low or something. It's like fuck, I shouldn't have taken that 
a unit of Prezi. Yeah? <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, I it's definitely. It's just a little bit less. Uh, our point is to, there's no winning. <laughs> you always lose. It's just how much you lose by. Uh, it's how you want to lose. <laughs> I, I do feel like I've, I'm going a lot less now than I was when I first started. Going low a lot less? Low a lot less. And I think I'm just being more conservative because I know I can fix it. Or maybe I've just figured out. Oh, because you maybe you feel more comfortable being high. That's also part of it. Because um, it's not of as an, I did of see an my extreme. Endo on Monday. My oh. A1C had gone up. Stop the presses. You know, blah, and blah, the episode like, cut, don't. cut. Yeah, um, and I was like, I know, I know, and I like had all these reasons. Like, yeah. Oh, I've been, I was sick the last week. I just felt like I was being high all the time. I was just waking up high, and she was like, Nah, it's, it's fine. fine. She's, she's like, I actually, she preferred me being a little bit higher. And I thought that was like the first time I've ever heard Nendo say that. Um, but it was not, it was nice. Yeah. You know, leaving. It's not like my A1C was nine and it went up to 10. She was like, like it was, it was still okay. Don't you dare say it. It was still okay. <laughs> but it was nice it to went feel from like. 4.5 to 4.6. 4. 4. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was fine. Yeah. No one had to freak yeah. out. Um, <laughs> so I felt a little, um, I don't know, like a little like, okay, like I don't have to be low all the time or I don't have to be like on that knife edge of high or like in range and low. Mm-hmm. I can just allow myself more freedom. And I bet if I looked back at my Dexcom charts from like a year ago to now, I'm probably more variable than I was before, but you know, you said control, James, what kind of like blood sugar control? I think mental control. I was going to say that your mental state is much better. <laughs> yes. And I think like what you were saying that uh, Marie had posted. Adapt, adapt, adapt. Yeah. Said. Like we're going to have this forever. And so we're, we're going to change forever. And if, if you burn out now, like you still got a lot more years of, mm-hmm. Uh, That's going to suck. Give enough money to JDRF. Oh my God. (laughs) Five years. We only have 12 years left on the planet. Yeah. (laughs) That's another episode. (laughs) Yeah. At least we'll get our five year cure. We'll (laughs) have, we'll have a good, what, seven years without diabetes before the polarized caps melt. (laughs) And on that note. On that note. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for uh, supporting your favorite (laughs) award-winning diabetes podcast. I'm Craig. I'm Laura. (laughs) I'm James. And this is Out of Range. After Dark.